Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 39. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In episode 39, I sit down with Anjali Rao to discuss the connection between yoga and activism. Anjali is a yoga teacher, social justice activist, multicultural training specialist, and a cancer survivor. She is an Indian-American immigrant from Bangalore, India, and her work explores yoga philosophy and history, integrating marginalized voices using storytelling, imagery, and poetry. In this interview, we discuss the history of activism in yoga, including how yoga philosophy and social justice are connected. For folks who are hesitant to step into the space of activism or call themselves an activist, this interview is definitely for you. Anjali addresses the role of the activists and discusses how we can build capacity for resilience using our yoga practice. Finally, she discusses her new course with the Accessible Yoga Training School, Yoga and Activism, a blueprint for collective transformation, which is open for enrollment now. Hope this interview resonates with you. Here we go. I'm here today with Anjali Rao. Anjali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amber. Good to be here. It's so good to have you. I'm excited about this conversation today. Um, And I wonder if you could take a few minutes just to introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them who you are and about your work in the world and anything else you'd like to share. Thank you, Amber. First of all, I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Uh, I'm Anjali Rao. I am a yoga educator, yoga practitioner, uh, social justice activist, uh, a cancer survivor, and a multicultural training specialist. Uh, I'm an Indian immigrant from um, from Bangalore, India. So just a thought and uh Uh, to all the people right now, my loved ones, and so many people who are going through uh, so much of suffering right now in India. Um, And I hope that this work that will uh, be toward uh, helping uh, shine a light on some of that. Yes, definitely. Thanks for bringing that to mind for us. Um, And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on in India later on in the podcast. Um, So I wondered um, if you would start off telling us about yoga and activism, because I know you have a course coming up with the Accessible Yoga Training School, which we're so excited about, called Yoga and Activism. And so I'm curious for everyone that's listening, like, how are yoga and activism connected? Um, Like, historically, you know, are there are there mentions of this in texts? Are there yoga activists that are part of our lineages and and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, Yoga yoga and activism uh, are inextricably linked. Uh, Through history, there have been people who have um, sort of stood up to systems of oppression, uh, disrupted power and privilege, from even from the Veda, Vedic times, which is like three to five thousand years ago. Um, so through history, there have been cases or there have been people who have uh, disrupted and overthrown and questioned uh, people with power and privilege and given birth to different sort of movements within the yoga practice and philosophy. So we are not really reinventing or we are not really inventing something. We are actually just learn. We have all, we are constantly learning from those, uh, those people and our, our teachers, our ancestors. And that's the lineage that we are sort of carrying forward. Um, 
So how are, how is yoga and activism linked? That would be a part of the course that I will offer too, that the context, the social, the political context and the historical context of these two, which may seem sort of contradictory to each other because yoga is seen as something which is very internal and activism is seen as something which is external. But we know that they are deeply interconnected because we are all deeply interconnected human beings, which is one of the underlying premise of uh, any yoga practice or philosophy, regardless of whichever school or lineage that you come from, that's one thing that we all can agree is that we are all deeply interconnected human beings. So um, that would be a part of the course that I will offer with examples, with specific examples of how and who are these uh, sort of heroes, heroines, people who have constantly questioned and disrupted and uh, challenged power and privilege through centuries. Uh, as well as I think yoga is a container. It's a container of practices, thoughts, concepts, which can uh, provide resilience, build capacity, uh, cultivate discernment uh, for people who are wanting to do this challenging work. Um, so that would also be a part of, uh, of the course and a part of my work. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I especially love what you said about that, you know, yoga is this container of all the different thoughts and practices and everything that helps build capacity for activists, you know, and I think about um, like the tools that yoga offers us to uh, to be able to be resilient and to like stay with discomfort, which are, I think, pretty important qualities for any activist to have. Right. Absolutely. This is very, un very deeply uncomfortable work. Uh, even internally, it's uncomfortable. And when you're speaking out to like truth to power is a very uncomfortable thing to do. Uh, and, you know, even if, if we're not really going back that much in history, even Angela Davis, for example, the civil rights activist has always credited her yoga practice her, and her meditation practice as being one of the key things that has helped her for her longevity as, uh, you know, one of the most prolific uh, civil rights activists in the world. So um, uh, we are all learning. We're all learning from these great uh, thinkers and doers, the movers and the shakers of the world. And right now, I think the world needs to be and has been shaken, uh, especially in the past year with the global pandemic through the world. Uh, there's not been one human being that has not been impacted one way or the other. And so we have to, I think there's a, this is a call for all of us to radically sort of reimagine uh, structures and systems and institutions that have not worked. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that's what I think that's what the call to action for all of us is. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, you mentioned that throughout history, there have been examples of activists. You know, most people think of Gandhi when we think of yoga activists, but certainly others like Angela Davis, who you mentioned. And so I wonder about, you know, today, like if we're not inventing this now, right, the whole movement toward yoga and social justice, that there's a rich history of this, like, how are yoga and social justice connected today? Like, how is that how does that look for a yoga practitioner or a teacher? Like, what are our responsibilities there or opportunities? Mm, that's that's also a really good question. I think um, the word social justice probably may be a modern word. And it's, of, of course, coming from the English language. So when, when you translate that or when you translate a lot of the Sanskrit 
or the yogic terms, it's sort of lost in translation. Um, uh, but the concepts have been there of wanting to create a world which is uh, inclusive, which is equitable, which is accessible through history. And um, so yoga is like rooted in the dharmic tradition and the dharma is a universal law through our lives, through our lives, our dharma changes, uh, and it also remains the same. So both happens, and the, it depends. It's very contextual. Uh, so it's not like my dharma is not Amber's dharma. Amber's dharma is Amber's, and mine is mine. Um, so yoga is that which helps recognize and clears our path, so that we are aligned with our deepest tr- truth, to our deepest dharma. And in India, for example, dharma has been used, is used very often, almost every day. Uh, it's, oh, oh, it's my dharma to do this. So it can be, it can be used to denote duty, responsibility and accountability for doing some action. Um, and also, I think yoga is about expansion of uh, consciousness. It's, a, it's, it's expansion and connection of consciousness. It's expansion and harnessing and cultivating prana, you know, the vital energy. That's what, that's what our pranayama practice, our meditation, our asana, our everything is about cultivating and harnessing vital energy. So where what is the vital energy that we use for? Uh is it to, is it to, is it used only for my own selfish needs or is it used so that i can make a difference in the world um and it need not be in big gray you know in a big way where i can change some major thing around me it can be in a in a in a way which is uh, effective uh, to my immediate community even that is your dharma so being in your own family or you know uh, Unraveling your own thoughts, uh, which are, uh, for example, racist or um, uh, uh, which are which are harmful to someone else, is also your dharma. So dharma is is everything. It's all encompassing, and so is our yoga practice. It is it is all encompassing. It is everybody's encompassing. Uh, if there's a word, I don't think there is a technical word for that. All encompassing. It's everything. Yeah, Yeah. I hear that. Um, I really appreciate that, you know, that uh, piece about like, how are you using your practice? You know, I think um, Jeevan and I have talked about that on the podcast a bit before. And it's definitely something that I, um, I think is important for us as yoga practitioners and teachers to really talk about is like, you know, the practice is wonderful for, you know, a refuge from grief or a way to, you know, feel uh, more centered and grounded in yourself. And like, there are so many amazing self-care components to the practice. But also, like, I feel like if we stop there, then we miss like a huge opportunity to really, I don't know, live out the teachings that talk about our interconnectedness and um, about recognizing humanity and all of that kind of stuff. So I appreciate you speaking to that. Absolutely. And, you you know, in many uh, yogic uh, texts, like from the Gita to the sutras, um, the, we are not monks. We are very much householders. We are very much a part of the community. So we are impacted by the systems and the institutions around us. And we impact the systems and the institutions around us, be it our education system, be it our housing, be it, you know, in in very tangible ways, we are impacting all of that and all of that is impacting us. So then it behooves us as 
citizens and as community members to not only say oh uh, you know uh, uh, that uh, that it the right thing will happen right thing will not happen so automatically we have to make the right thing happen because the the dominant cultural values are obviously benefiting the dominant culture so why would it be disrupted it will not be disrupted it is beneficial it's working for so many it's working for them for whoever it is so if we if we have the uh, capacity to change and disrupt uh, so that the the systems and the opera, uh, the institutions not only work for some but all of us yeah that's really powerful i um you know you mentioned um monks and householders and i'm wondering for folks who like were aren't sure about that context could you put a little bit more context to that and how the i guess call to action is different depending on your social location right yes Absolutely. So social location, again, is something which is uh, which is talked about very often in the modern activist world or, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the modern advocacy world. But again, it's not something that was so alien. Uh, of the, for example, the Varna system, uh, which is, you know, where each of us had like a life stage. Uh, the first stage, the, I'm talking about Hindu philosophy or Indian philosophy, part of part of which is Hindu philosophy, uh, that the first stage were where we were students, uh, where we studied with a, with a teacher or many teachers. And then we were the householders where we started a family. And so each of our dharma in each of these stages changes. And then we were the, the community elders where we sort of helped guide and uh, uh, shape the community a little bit uh, but we started sort of disengaging ourselves from the active participation in a community in, in a family and then we finally there was a sannyasi stage where we where people went away to the forest and uh, meditated and the only uh, role there was to play was either deep study of scriptures or uh, deep meditations to attain liberation or gain samadhi so that was the four stages of life back 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 in the day thousands of years ago but that has not that has sort of shifted and changed and the meanings and the roles that we have to play right now not, not many of us are going into monasteries and um, um, meditating for hours uh, years together uh, so we are deeply responsible for uh, the ways in which we move because we are very much active members of society. And so our social location then changes and depending upon our race, our financial ability, our physical ability, our gender, our sexual orientation, uh, our economic uh, uh, privileges, then our social location changes, our power and privilege changes, our dharma changes. You know, Our dharma is influenced by all of that too. So then we have to real we have to figure out what is our karma, what is our action uh, that we need to take in each of these roles. But, uh, I appreciate that additional context and uh, and you know that social location influences dharma or you know has context implications on dharma. I think is such a powerful thing to think about. Like based on you know for whoever may be listening, based on your social location, like where can you identify ways that you can you know, live out that, that sacred duty that we have to, mm -hmm. to one another and to this, you know, 
personal and collective liberation. And I wonder if next, you know, we could talk a little bit about um, like the label or role of activists, because I know that that label can be kind of intimidating. It's like, um, you know, if you call yourself an activist or someone else calls you that, then you're automatically required to like go to every protest or make yeah. some big global change. Right. And so I wondered if you could talk about, um, you know, activism in a more approachable way. Like, um, yeah, this is something that I'm excited to hear your thoughts on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the word activist has been give, given such a, uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, either a pedestal or not, uh, that, you know, we think that a person who is going through all the marches and, uh, or do, making deep changes in the systems and the institutions, like, you know, educational and, uh, activism or environmental activism or racial activism, uh, those are the only ones who are activists. And I think right now what the world wants us all to be is in some level or the other an activist or an advocate for a cause which is authentic and dear to us. That is a part of our own dharma. I cannot be an activist for something else uh, that th- that I don't know anything of. So I need to know where I have personal agency in and sort of expand that personal agency so that there is effectiveness, so that whatever I'm doing is sustainable and authentic to me. Um, you know, so activism is many levels. There is individual level that, are, and I will talk about the, these different levels in the course uh, with more detail. And what what I'm really excited to do, Amber, is to uh, first of all destigmatize the word activism uh, because uh, I, I, you can be an activist even in your own home, in depending on how you and what you earn, uh, what you uh, spend on, you know, because economic powers uh, uh, is the most important one in uh, in, in this capitalistic uh, society so even in the way we spend our money is is activism uh, the way we educate our children is activism uh, so uh, so many different ways of being an activist and if we are to really heal and transform ourselves especially with the given the suffering the the level of suffering that uh, we are all experiencing and trauma that we are all under because of the pandemic. Um, this is an opportunity for us to sort of reimagine our roles uh, and see where we can change and what we want to change. We can't change everything. Uh, we are just creating small ripples of change wherever we can. That's right. And, and I love how, you know, it's kind of bringing it back to that concept of like, based on your social location, the Dharma changes. So, you know, if you're, if you're influence, if, if you have a lot of influence and privilege and power, then your Dharma is going to look very different than someone who maybe has multiple marginalized identities and not a lot of material resources. Right. And so I think it's really useful to look at this in a way that, I don't know, even with activism, it seems like we can get stuck with this like black and white thinking from dominant culture, right? Like either we do it perfectly or exactly. I'm not going to bother at all. And so I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit, sort of the um, taking a different perspective that maybe yes. allows room for, for both. Yes. Absolutely. And I like the word, I like that you brought that up, uh, Amber, especially the concept of perfectionism, because uh, we will mess up. 
We will mess up in the way we talk about something. We will mess up in the way we do something because we're all learning. And the paradigm of perfectionism is so deeply ingrained in all of us. Uh, And I'm a recovering, and I think I will always be a recovering perfectionist, um, that I have to constantly unravel that, you know what, I don't know all the answers. I will mess up. I will not say the right thing. Um, And uh, I will I will not please everybody. You know, I will piss off people and it's okay. And so so that's why the capacity and the resilience for an activist comes in, because we need to build that capacity. Otherwise, it is uh, it is uh, stressful. It is traumatic. it, It can cause a lot of grief. It does cause a lot of grief. So we have to learn how to show up how to take care of ourselves uh, so that we are embodied in our activism. Um, Otherwise, it is a sort of, uh, you know, you're not coming out of, you're you're not doing anything out of trauma. You have to take mindful action. Uh, That's where the yoga piece comes into. Um, And we will do it imperfectly. And all of us are very imperfect human beings. And that's where the, the beauty of us all is. Otherwise, we would be all kind of boring, I think. Right. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I like what you said about the, um, you know, that activism, it it can and does often come with a lot of grief. And, um, and we've been talking about how yoga can build, you know, capacity for resilience there. I wonder if there are any particular um, practices, or I don't know, anything from the yoga practice that that you are, that are your go-tos, you know, that you could say like, um, for folks that may want to incorporate something around those lines. Yeah. And that will be a part of my uh, course too, because I will talk about rituals. Uh, I will talk about rituals that can anchor us every day. uh, And that may change depending upon uh, day to day or our circumstances, uh, because we are also human beings and our uh, environment changes. If we are parents or you know uh, or we work anywhere else so it's it's fluctuating but there will be some rituals that can help anchor us um there will be some practices of breath work uh there will be meditations journaling uh, uh and of course some embodied practices maybe of uh, coming into your being in your body uh, and so I, 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 I'm an Indian, so I always use this example that I use. You know, we use pressure cooker to cook dal, and you have to release the valve throughout; otherwise, it can it can burst, right? So, so I look at I look at I look at my practices throughout the day and sort of release my valve uh, throughout the day. It can be a stretcher, it can be a breath activity there. So something very accessible. I don't think all of us have the capacity to go off on a retreat right now and then go, you know, meditate for long periods of time or whatever. Uh, though there is, I'm sure there is value in that, but not all of us can access that. So, but what is it that we can do every day to kind of build that capacity throughout? Yeah, I love that because, you know, I think, again, this is one of those places where perfectionism can sneak in. It's like, okay, if I can't do 90 minutes of asana and two hours of meditation, then like it doesn't count when in reality, like just that little five minute of returning to your breath and your body and reorienting yourself can be so helpful that I think one of these ways that, you know, white supremacy shows up is through this perfectionism, black and white thinking stuff. And it's really good for us to be aware of it, for sure. Yeah, I think this whole binary thinking, uh, uh, we are again learning so much from um, uh, 
the social media and that you know either you're either you're with me or without me there's so much of polarization all over the world uh in our political systems and everywhere so uh we have we are constantly coming with that in, in our own advocacy or activism work uh we have to start learning to see the nuances of everything uh otherwise otherwise we are actually adding to the problem you know yeah yeah i hear that so um we're so excited about your course that's coming up yoga and activism a blueprint for collective transformation so cool um which is starting in june so it's going to be on sundays in june and we'll give all the details um towards the end but i wonder if you could just talk a little bit about your course who is it for what are you going to be studying what's the experience like uh just tell us a little bit about that Yeah, I'm very excited because it's bringing together I think two practices that are very close to my heart which is yoga and activism and they're not really completely separate though they have uh, uh there are places where they intersect and places where they are not um so this this is a blueprint that is a part is an emerging is an emergence from my own exploration as uh, an activist and as a yoga practitioner um it it will be it it will be a sort of a a place where we can explore how yoga and uh, yoga intersects with activism with practices with with a, and to create a practical tangible sort of a blueprint for collective transformation because i really think we are all looking to create some change make a difference so it is for all those who are either not sure of what to do but i want to do something uh, i want to make a difference but i don't know where to begin so it's for those people or it's for people who have been there who are doing this work and who feel burnt out or they feel like they need a community of people who are supportive uh, and who have been on this path so it's like that collective sangha that we say right so it's it's for all of that it's for people who are yoga students yoga practitioners or and who want to make a difference in the world around them um and i would you know because going back to my own lineage i would i would like to share chants um meditations uh throughout so which are pertinent to the work which are pertinent to the concepts that i'll be sharing so it's integrating concepts from yoga philosophy um social just sociology because that's also one of my backgrounds and critical race theory um so bringing all together and uh hopefully creating something which is helpful uh for people who are who are studying that Yes, absolutely. So, um what can folks expect to leave the course with? Like what what do they walk away with um other than, you know, knowledge about the, some of the stuff that you've talked about? Um you mentioned a blueprint. Like what is that? What does that look like when they're done? I'm hoping that everyone will have something which they can take away in terms of actual action items which they can implement um and which will be sustainable which will be authentic to their own dharma and their own inclination each of us have our own inclination to do this work and it it looks different for some people art come activism comes through art for example uh so for, for and that that is beautiful we need that too and for some people it is it is actually going and working in their in their corporate like i've i've done this before in other trainings where people have gone to their work which is in the corporate world and then they've said this is what i've done based on what we have studied together so it can it means differently it is it's not only one thing or the other it's it can mean absolutely different things for different people depending upon their 
roles, their social location. No, I said, I, I think this this place would be like, I'm hoping a catalyst uh, for for creating something tangible. I'm looking uh, to to spark that, sort of ignite that uh, for everyone. I love the idea that everybody gets to leave with sort of a personalized plan based on, you know, their own life. You know, this isn't something that, you know, you're going to walk away thinking like, oh, well, I don't have those resources or that network or I can't be a big public speaker. It's like, no, actually, everyone will leave with a sustainable way to engage on an ongoing basis. And I think that's so cool. I wonder if you'd um, talk about the like the course itself. So these are live sessions. um, And uh, what are you going to be doing? together there are about three hour sessions and there's four of them is that right yes there will be four sessions of three hours each and each session will have uh will have lecture will have discussion uh will have actual practices like i said to build resilience and capacity and we'll have reading uh for each of those sessions assignments so that you're building each of these assignments will have will build toward creating the blueprint and um yeah and then i also want to say that i'm going to be donating parts of my own fees toward uh toward a non-profit that's a grassroots level non-profit that's working in india right now to provide uh humanitarian relief uh for people affected by the covid pandemic so um and it'll i hope i hope it'll be it'll Good. So, you know, we've all been in trainings where we we form those connections with each other. Uh, and so I hope that this training will provide those, those sort of network for activists uh, who are doing who, who are doing this work so that they continue to sort of build that synergy together. Uh, and that is my vision and hope for for this for this course. Yeah, I think, you know, community is one of the most, I think. I don't know. It's like that secret sauce to how to be resilient is like, you know, you have your own individual practices and self-care and your thoughts and beliefs and all the things. It's like those that inner strength, but also, you know, the resources that are around you. And I think community is one of those big ones that we forget how powerful that can be just to be in the room, whether that's online or in person with other people who are sharing the same struggles and working toward a similar mission and and I wonder if you could just speak to that a little bit, like the importance of community for activists. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, I think there have been times during my uh, du- du- during this work through my life uh, where I felt very alone uh, because you're always looking at uh, either questioning truth to power is not a comfortable thing or it, it can actually be uh, very lonely and isolating. So uh, it's one of the most important things that I have learned personally is to cu- cultivate allies, accomplices, co-conspirators in this th- in this work together, so that uh, no- nobody feels that isolation. Uh, that one can reach out to a friend who's in your group, or uh, you know, just say, "Hey, you know what? I did this. What do you think?" And so, sort of bounce ideas off of each other, uh, brainstorm with each other. Uh, I-, I think there there is so much of beauty and power in that. Uh, in that co-creation. So we're all co-creating something. This is not an individualistic thing. I'm not an individual who's doing this. We're collectively co-creating things. Um, And that's the only way it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. 
Okay, so um, we will uh, link in the show notes to a page where you can learn all about Anjali's course. Um, it's starting on June 20th. It's going to be on Sundays. There's four Sundays, June 20th, 27th, July 11th, and July 18th. So we're skipping July 4th. That's also a Sunday. <laughs> and those will be from 5 to 8 Eastern, 2 to 5 Pacific, and... Um, various other time zones around the world. Um, and we have tiered pricing. There are scholarships available. We're really excited about this course. Anjali, I wonder if at the end here, as we wrap up, um, if there's anything else you'd like to share or call us to action about. Yes. I request everyone, for those who have the capacity and who have not yet donated and who can donate uh, to uh, a, a grassroots level organization uh, that is providing humanitarian support for those going through this COVID pandemic in India. India is uh, right now dealing with so much, uh, with so much of loss of life and the infrastructure that has not uh, kept up with uh, the needs of the people. So uh, I would like to share that. Uh, and if you don't know where, where to uh, donate, please, you can look at my social media. I always have uh, stuff there. Uh, also, um, I, I think there's also a document in the Facebook uh, Accessible Yoga page, which Jivina has uh, pinned to the top. Uh, so, yeah, okay. so we'll add some links in the show notes for this podcast as well to the different organizations that um, that you can support. And every little amount helps. Um, don't think that if you can't send a big amount that it's not going to count because together we are more powerful than one of us can be. <laughs> so um, we'll link to those. Please do check those out. I think it's especially important for us, you know, as yoga practitioners to remain connected to what's going on in yoga's homeland. And I really appreciate you sharing about that, Anjali. Um, okay. So as we wrap up here, any final thoughts or a question that you might like to leave our audience with to consider as they move forward in their yoga practice? Uh, ooh, a question to consider. I think we all have personal power. Uh, each of us have some amount of personal power and Power by itself is not a bad thing. Um, it's what we do with it that counts. So my thought for everyone would be to consider where your personal agency and personal power lies and see what you want, what is your natural tendency and inclination to do with it because your true nature is to do the good. I believe that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciated having you today. Thank you for all that you shared. And we're so excited about your course. Thank you, Thank Anjali. Thank you so much, Amber. I so appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. You can check out the show notes and links to everything we discussed at AccessibleYogaTraining.com slash podcast, where you'll find all our episodes, ways to connect with the people we interview and more. Don't forget to join us for Anjali's new course, Yoga and Activism, a Blueprint for Collective Transformation. In this course, you're going to explore the connection between classical yoga philosophy and social justice work. We'll take an action-oriented approach so we can co-create diverse, equitable, and inclusive communities. 
We're going to delve into the mythology and history of the intersection of yoga and activism, learn about culture, power, positionality, explore self-care strategies and practices for activists, and cultivate individual discernment into where we have agency and our individual role as yoga activists. Plus, you'll be part of a community of dedicated activists and advocates just like you who are trying to find their place within this wider world where we are all interconnected. So join us. Enrollment is open now and class starts on June 20th. You can check out everything about the course at AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We'll see you next time.